Hi, and welcome to the Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast for your everyday and well-being needs. I'm Amy from The Wellness Strategy, and I'm here to bring you a podcast that is going to help you understand what this big complex idea of well-being is. We know it's a very much needed space to focus on whether it's for your own needs or that in the workplace, but we also know it's complex, it's heavy, it's made up of lots of different elements. It looks different from person to person, which is why within this podcast, we are going to dive deep into uncovering some mistruths, misconceptions, and just random ideas around wellbeing. This may mean that you have to listen to me ramble, and at times we'll have on some fabulous guests, but overall, this is about checking in with yourself. What do you believe about wellbeing? What do you need? What are you proactively doing? What could you do differently? And how are we working together on both an individual and collective level to improve the well-being of ourselves and others within the workplace it's big it's deep it's complex but it's also amazing when we do this work both individually and together so hang in there grab a cuppa pop your headphones in and go for a walk and let's dive into today's episode Hey beautiful people, how are you? Happy Monday. It's a glorious Monday morning as I sit down to record this and I always look forward to Mondays because I have new ideas that come to my mind and different things I play with and I kind of get excited about stuff and that's definitely how I feel this morning. And I wanted to carry on a little bit from last week's episode and just pick that up a bit because so many of you have got in touch with me saying you loved it, you thought it was really valuable, that it, you know for those of you who missed it was all about rest and understanding that you know rest is not does not make us lazy and it doesn't make us bad people and it doesn't mean that we don't love our job if we're resting, all of those things that are really important but so hard to understand and, and digest. So if you missed that, I'll pop the link to it in the show notes or just go back and listen to uh, the episode prior. Uh, but it's been really interesting having some of you reach out and share different perspectives on that in regards to where you are in your own journey. So thank you to all of those people firstly who have done that. What I really wanted to highlight was that there has been such a diverse range in terms of where people are on this journey in regards to knowing, understanding and prioritizing rest. But what has really stood out is that every person, no matter where they are, has acknowledged that it's hard, has acknowledged that it is hard to rest, whether these people have mastered it and feel like they're actually at a point where they're happy with how they rest and make time with it and prioritize it and have worked through all of those beliefs. Every single person that got in touch with me still acknowledged that it wasn't like this at the beginning, that it was definitely a challenge, definitely hard. And then some people have got in touch with me saying they're still playing with it. You know, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's a challenge. And then some people are saying, I don't even know what rest looks like for me. I mean, these are all wonderful things to, first of all, acknowledge and bring awareness to in your own journey around rest, but then also just take a minute yourself if you're listening to share, to sit with and think about yourself. If you were to share your own version, your own journey of rest, your own story, what would that look like and where would you put yourself on the spectrum from, I don't even know what rest looks like for me, all the way through to actually, I feel like I've mastered my version of rest and I'm proactively prioritizing this and bringing it into part of who I am every day. Like there's such a full swing. And what I wanted to share also was that, you know, some days or weeks, even though I would say, you know, I'm pretty good at it, I get it right. But there are definitely times where, as I shared, I just don't. And I don't think that doesn't mean that I'm not doing it well. It's just a, a reminder that life 
can get you. Life can grab you. Life can take you away, whether it's because you're caught up in your teaching space, your workspace, your leadership space, family, whatever it might be, painting your house, you know, moving, like just all kinds of things can take you away from actually being able to sit with the idea of I have to rest so that I can show up better for those who need me. A completely different way of thinking, especially if like I shared last week, what comes to mind is this idea that resting shouldn't be done because you need to take care of everyone else or resting makes you feel guilty. So what I wanted to share with with this and continue on from was bringing in a conversation around change because ultimately what this is is it's a change process a change management um, a change journey uh, many of you said you know they're excited or to be continuing the journey and just learning and understanding and experimenting with this in the space of rest but I know it happens in other things it's you know as I sit in the space of consultant work and really my work is in change management and organizational change at a whole school or a whole company organizational well-being level because what I'm helping people do and helping you do essentially is go on this journey of change from where you are now to wherever you want to be and I often hear things like change is hard change is slow change takes a long time change is a journey and all of those things are somewhat true But all of those things also can hold us back or stop us from actually creating the change that we want, getting in the way of change or even thinking it's possible. And so I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to talk about change. I wanted to talk about really, you know, why we need to change the way we view change. Change the way we view change. Sounds funny, doesn't it? But it um, it is important because how we look at something ultimately shapes how it is, how it will be how it will come to fruition and so we've got to be just really careful around what that looks like now one of the first things I see people do with any change and I'll use the example of rest first is they go well you know I don't rest and I want to be able to rest every day and I want it to look differently and that's an that's a massive amount of change and so I can just never do it and so what we're doing is we're putting all our emphasis on the end product or the end result or the really big piece of change work that we want to see happen. And because that is so far from our reality right now, it's so intangible to us. We can't actually see how it's going to happen. We don't know the steps. We don't know the how. And we're actually not even ready to be that person. We don't even know how to embody that because it is so foreign to us. It'd be like saying you've got to be able to speak a different language tomorrow. That's what we tend to do with pieces of change we want, especially in our own human behavior space. It automatically creates overwhelm in the idea that it's too hard. And if I'm really honest, if you're trying to go from A to Z in a day, yeah, that is too hard because the change process behind that is extensive. It's not just something that you can snap your fingers and do or do overnight. It's like if you're trying to bring in a new healthy eating habit, you know, you don't just go from eating incredible amounts or you know, most often things that are processed out of packages to then just having a, you know, pretty much clean diet where you prepare and buy everything yourself and cook from scratch. Like you don't just do that overnight or people that do do it, we know it only lasts, you know, four or five days a week. And then we go back into our old ways because change is about creating new habits. It's not just, it's not just about changing something. And when we change something to create habit, we're changing who we are, which means we need to embrace the practice of of embodiment so embodying embodying the change that happens in the space we're trying to impact so just let that one sit for a minute change is about changing habits which leads us to embodying the change we want to create now that takes time 
That's just how it is. That doesn't mean, though, that change is slow. See, often what happens here, too, is we go, oh, well, change is slow, so it doesn't matter. I've got all of this time. You know, I, I this might be my endpoint in six months, but change is slow, so I can just sit in this space for a little while. No, you can't, because what this does is it leads to procrastination and an excuse of, well, change is slow, so it doesn't matter if I don't action ABC right now. Well, actually it does, because when you look at the science behind how we change habit, thinking and embodiment, it is done incrementally in slow steps, slow pieces over a period of time, right? So if you are thinking that you want to change everything and end up at Z at the end, like your end goal, so you're going to be um, completely embodying the idea of rest and have it mastered, but you're not doing slow changes to begin with. You're going to sit in a space of procrastination because you're thinking you have six months up your sleeve still. And that's not how it works. So change doesn't have to be slow. In fact, I would encourage you to not say that change is slow, but to think about change as incremental steps that we build upon over a period of time. Now that might mean that getting from where you are now to knowing what rest looks like for you takes a longer time than you might like. So yes, we all want it now because we live in that environment where we can get things instantly at the press of a button and Amazon can have it at your door in an hour or whatever it might be. And so we're, we're kind of used to having things quickly. And when we can't have that, when we can't order it online, go to the supermarket and buy it or instantly get it from an app on our phone, We've actually got to do the work ourselves. And this is tricky because you can't outsource embodiment change. I mean, you can outsource someone to help you get there, but you can't outsource someone to do the work for you because it sits with you. So unfortunately, you can't order this to your front door. You have to be prepared to do the work, you know, the work of well-being. Now, that doesn't mean that the change journey is slow. It just means that the time might be longer than you initially desire. That's okay, because what you've got to do along the way as you build in incremental steps for change is, as I have said now numerous times, is teach your body to embody the change that you're creating. So if you are, we'll stick with the rest example, bringing in rest and you're, you're going to start with 10 minutes of uh, meditation or breath work a day, and you're going to start with that every morning. There are so many things that have to fall into place for you to be able to do that in embodiment and embody it so it becomes a non-negotiable. You have to, first of all, find that 10 minutes. That could mean getting up 10 minutes earlier, which means going to bed earlier. That could mean actually saying to your family, I'm just going to go into this room and shut the door and do 10 minutes. So you're going to have to fend for yourself, you know, and, and when that happens, you might be thinking, can I actually do that? Can I, so you're building trust then with other family members that they're going to be fine while you sit and do your breath work. Or it could mean that actually you need to create a quiet space and that that doesn't exist. And so it could be restructuring your environment, which might impact people you live with. I mean, there are just so many things in being able to begin that process in the first place, not to even mention the fact that along with that comes the self-commitment, dedication and persistence at doing it and showing up for yourself all the time. Like, you know, change work on behavioral habits is about showing up for yourself. And even that can be hard because you mightn't be used to showing up for yourself. Now, remember, all I'm talking about here is bringing in 10 minutes of meditation or breath work into your morning routine. That could be massive. Maybe you don't even have a morning routine and now you're just realizing, hang on, I just go through the motions. I want autopilot every every morning. I've never even thought about that. I mean, that is a real key piece of embodiment change. How do I use my mornings intentionally to set myself up for the day? Huge when it comes to even thinking about rest and looking after yourself. 
Because what this does is it plays on the idea, first of all, that rest has to come when we're tired. Actually, it doesn't. We can be proactively building in rest periods to help us with what's happening. Some of the best resting I do happens at the start of the day. I literally roll out of bed, walk into my office meditation space and engage in either a meditation or a yoga or a breathwork practice or sometimes all three, depending on the time that's available to me. That is what it looks like. It's a non-negotiable. This is how I start my day. I rest, then I walk outside by the beach and I exercise and I do a lot of things that I would classify as resting, resting my mind, body and soul. But however, to some, it might look like I'm being active, but actually it's nurturing rest for me that allows me to be able to live and go throughout my day feeling more focused, like I've taken care of myself and I've done what I need before I give to everyone else rather than waiting until the end of the day where I'm actually like too tired to be able to engage in all of those things well. And it might sound silly, like why do you need to rest when you just get up in the morning? Because it's different to sleep. I know this is a, this gives me a different benefit. It's different, especially if it's physical, like physical activity for me and being in nature is still resting because I'm resting my mind. You know, I'm just tuning into that space. And so that's another thing, like that's just the whole piece of change work right there, yeah, in terms of how you think about focus understand it I mean that can be massive for some people I mean it is I think if that's not it's massive for everyone if that's not what you do or how you think about it and maybe you don't want to maybe that doesn't serve you right now or maybe that's just not where you're at or maybe you do it in the afternoon like you know it actually doesn't matter what matters is you you do it and you understand how you do it and you're aware aware of the intention behind it but what I'm sharing here is that change doesn't have to be slow, but it is a process. And so if we sit in the space of, oh, well, change takes a long time and that's just how it is, so nothing's going to happen right now, we're denying ourselves of the opportunity to create those small changes that we need to get started. So we have to shift our way of thinking here. Now, at a school level, I see this too. I often have school leaders say to me, well, you're in the space of change and change is slow. I disagree with that. I think change, the, the phrase change is slow is something we're holding on to and something we tell, us, tell ourselves so we don't actually have to do the work. Let's think about that for a minute. Change is slow or we believe change is slow, the idea of change, the phrase change is slow. We hold on to that because it means we don't have to do the work because if we're telling ourselves change is slow and that's just how it is, then what we're also unconsciously saying is, so it's okay not to do the work right now. And I don't believe that. I don't think that that's how it is. I think if you are holding on to the phrase change is slow, you need to be prepared to let that go. You need to be prepared to let that go and understand that change is a process of steps. And if you are trying to get to an end point, whether it's because you want to bring more well-being into your school environment and understand that it's about school culture because you want to change a process or a system around something because you want to build more cohesive teams to improve well-being and, and function both in and out of the classroom whatever it is that starts now that doesn't mean all of the change work happens this minute but it does mean that you're committing to the steps along the way that doesn't mean change is slow or change change necessarily takes time it means that change is happening and we're working towards getting to where we want to be. It is not slow. It takes as long as it needs for us to be able to change the habit, the system, the structure, embody it, whatever it is, without holding on to the idea that change is slow. And it's really, really important we start to shift that thinking, that language, because change it, the idea of, oh, well, change is slow, that's just how it is, gives us an excuse. And the more we sit in that space, the less committed we are to actually doing the work. So if that is something you hold on to, whether it's yourself or whether it's in your workspace, I really, really do encourage you to let that go. 
Change doesn't have to be slow. Change starts when you start. Change has impact as soon as you do it. But the thing is, you've got to break it down into small steps. I'm sure you've heard this somewhere, whether it's in work that you've read around building habits, whether you've done, you know, smart goals, whatever it is, goal setting, where you break it down into a timeline, you know, all of those things is about chunking it down. And this is the other thing I see with people trying to change their own well-being practices or even in school is we don't chunk things down as much. We underestimate the power of small steps because we think big steps are going to have more impact and look better. That's not actually what happens. Bigger steps, bigger chunks are actually further away from what our reality is now and what our conscious self can grab hold of. So it becomes more abstract and more overwhelming. The smaller you can break the step down, the smaller you can break it down into terms of an achievable step that the closer it is to your reality right now, the one change, the 1%, the bigger impact you have over a longer period of time. So you want to get really finite in terms of the step you want to make now, knowing that the possibilities are infinite, right? So we want to say, this is the one step that I'm doing. This is it. Where that goes, there are infinite possibilities. But right now, this is it. Because we want to bring as much of the change that we're trying to create into where we are now. So what often happens is, yeah, I'm going to go on this journey of prioritizing my rest and I'm going to do all of these things. And then life enters. And actually, it's not possible because it is just too much to be able to grab. So you've just got to do the one thing. Just do the one thing. There's a fantastic book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. I highly recommend you read it. It is one of my all-time favorite books in terms of breaking things down into achievable steps. It's just the one thing. It's just like climbing a ladder, one step at a time. But in a school space, when, especially when we're looking at the work of well-being change, we're thinking, oh, we're going to change all of these things or we're going to work on cohesive teams and this is what it's going to look like. So you have to do this, that and that and this team member is going to do that. And No, it's just too much. It's just too much. And so we think because we're not moving quickly that we're not doing anything and that change is a slow process then because we get nowhere when actually it could be that our process or the way we approach change management, whether it's for ourselves or in our team, is actually sabotaging where we want to end up because we're not actually allowing ourselves to go, well, hang on, there's our end goal, really far away from where I want to be right now or where we want to be. So many things will need to shift. So what's the one thing I can do right now that's going to get the biggest impact? That's where we start. We chunk it down and we do one thing after another, after another, after another. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but a 1% change every day has a far bigger impact than creating like a 10% change and just leaving that change be for six months. So it's about a 1% change every day or every week. Like what, what little change can we make now? What little change can we make now? What little change can we make now? That's all I'm asking you to do when it comes to change management around yourself Think about the rest. It's just one little change, one little change, one little change. And then if you're now thinking at a bigger scale, well, what about in my school environment? What about leading well-being? What about doing work in teams? What about my own teaching practice? It's just one small thing, one small thing, one small thing. The same with time. You know, we don't get time freedom by throwing everything out the window and just being like, I'm doing nothing. It comes with changing our system structures and processes one small thing at a time, one small thing at a time. That is it. It's just one small thing. All right, lovely people. I feel like there's a lot in this and I, I, I want to share more. So let me know, has this resonated? How has that helped? What else do you want to know? It was so great having feedback last week. 
so I could pick this up for you. Now, some of you are like, oh, how do I know know more about this? How do I get, get what I need? The Teacher Wellbeing Hub is kicking off October 4th, which isn't that far away, two weeks. Two weeks, how exciting. Uh, and we are going to do a lot of this work in here. I'm going to be sharing so many more strategies, tips, things that you need to be able to do this work both in and out of the classroom. So just in case you haven't heard, you want to be a part of it for term four, you're going to be covering five modules, all kinds of things to do with well-being both in and out of the classroom, little private podcasts like this just for you or video clips, depending on how you want to watch them. So it is only available for members of the hub. You have a private Facebook group. You'll have an online portal that you can log into via the back end of my website to get course content. And you have access to me pretty much all the time to ask anything at all around improving well-being, which is just you know, there's nothing else like this out there. Again, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's going to be amazing. Join us for term four. I'm super, super excited to be bringing this work into the education space because, oh my goodness, I know how much it is needed. All right, lovely people. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you somewhere soon. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me just now and listening to that episode. What a delight it was. As always, please make sure you are following me on social media to stay up to date with all of the current news, latest things I'm offering, and just overall well-being tips, tricks, and strategy. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram at underscore the wellness strategy, and my private Facebook group is the Teacher Wellbeing Hub, which is designed for educators, but of course, anyone else who wants to be a part of that. If you need anything, email me at hello at amygreen.com.au, find me at the wellness strategy online, and reach out if there's anything you need in the consulting or coaching space this is about working together to ensure that well-being thrives both in and out of our workplace in and out of our home and together this is how we get real change this is how we do the work it's exciting and it's fun and it's work we can do together so if you're looking for something let me know I'm always here to help as always it's been a delight and I'll see you next episode